So you've got a daughter. <laughs> yes. And you have friends with daughters. Yes. On a scale of one to 10, how likely do you think it is that in the course of your lifetime, you could find yourself in a blame it on Rio scenario? Zero. I can't imagine how you could say it's impossible, given that we just watched this movie. There is It can't be zero. There is no circumstance where me and a male friend are going to take our almost adult daughters on a beach vacation. You know who else thought that? Michael Caine. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we are discussing, by special request, Blame It on Rio, the horribly uncomfortable and bizarre 1980s fucking comedy? I think it might be the most offside romantic comedy ever made. You're calling it a romantic comedy? Yeah. I think it is more of like supposed to be like a zany kind of screwball madcap thing, but I did not for one second consider it a romantic comedy. Maybe it's not romantic. What I kept thinking when watching it was it reminded me of a buddy comedy or a buddy sitcom. It felt like we were watching an episode or two of a weird set. Two and a half men. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah it Three's was a, company. Perfect. Perfect strangers. strangers. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It did feel that way until we got deeper into the plot. I don't remember the episode of Hurry Strangers where Balky tried to f*** the other guy's daughter. (laughs) I must have missed that one. (laughs) Yeah, you uh, missed out because that was definitely one of their uh, most uh, heavily downgraded episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Right off the air after that. It's amazing how that happened. (laughs) That's how they got canceled. Yeah, well, we're going to try and fucking get through this without like... I don't even know, man. I had a hard time even just getting through the movie. So we'll try and go through it and go through all the fucking extremely disturbing details. Yeah, this but it's was, not going to be easy. This was difficult to watch, but uh, it was a request from one of our uh, like faithful listeners here. Not just one of our faithful listeners. Our first ever Instagram follower, Mickey Double Zeros. Mike requested this movie, and it took us a little while to get to it, but we're fucking doing it. And uh, I don't know if I want to thank him or like... <laughs> I mean... He's not wrong. It belongs on the podcast, but I'm That's guessing... the only place it belongs. Yeah. <laughs> Does it belong in theaters? Does it belong on television? I'm guessing he did this because he wanted to see how awkward it could get as two grown men talked about this uh, plot and movie. More awkward than our introduction to this episode? We're already coming in hot, <laughs> so we'll see. And luckily, we have a perfectly themed beer for this episode. Yeah. What are we drinking, Noel? So uh, I'm excited to try this out. And I think you are too, because this is a bit of a departure from the style of beers we've been drinking. Oh so my far. God, finally, finally a lager. So this is called Beachbound Lager, and it's by the Beaches Brewing Co. in Toronto. They're located in the, the Beaches neighborhood. It says it's smooth, refreshing, and light, which uh, I think is everything that you're looking for in, in a lager, and I'm, I'm excited to try it. That's what Michael Caine thought his vacation to Rio was going to be. <laughs> Not so much. Not so much. So I was on the, um, the website for Beaches just to sort of learn a little bit about them, and they do say that their brewery and this beer in particular is inspired by beaches around the world, which I think connects oh. pretty nicely. And then... I got to read another quote from the website because it fits with our movie pretty well. Yes, please. We brew beers that are often inspired by past vacations, friends, and family. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which, uh, when you're taking your friends and family on a Rio beach vacation, turns out uh, gets pretty close. Well, you know how it is on vacation, you know. Maybe you just get a little bit crazy. (laughs) <laughs> Blame it on Rio. <laughs> I'm excited uh, for the beer and Goodness kind me. of talk about the movie. Let's get yeah, into it. Let's get we? into the beer. This is going to make us talking about it palatable. So we open with some very colorful, unmistakably 80s credits, kind of like pastels, and a song that just immediately sets the tone for what we're in for. The song is called Blame It on Rio. And it's all about going vacation mode and making some bad decisions. And oh my God, are they going to make some bad decisions? <laughs> so yeah, very quickly, we are given some foreshadowing here. One, the bright uh, intro graphics look like sexualized people. <laughs> and two, this song is talking about the character's making some pretty big mistakes but you know it's okay because you're on vacation right yeah Yeah. things happen at the beach fuck they sure do 
we get an immediate Michael Caine monologue. And this is the like device they used to the whole movie, which is very confusing. And like, I thought they were going to kind of get rid of it, but they just keep going back to it over and over and over again. He's dead center in the frame. And he's giving us a hilarious anecdote about sending his girlfriend postcards from a Pacific Island one word at a time. Uh, it was supposed to say, found a virgin paradise. It's yours, Matthew. Only they deliver it in the wrong order. So the message she got was, found a virgin. It's paradise. Yours, Matthew. <laughs> what a mix up. Yeah, pretty funny. I have a theory about what's happening, but I don't know if I should share it yet or or save it for later. Well, you're going to have plenty of opportunities because they keep going back to it throughout the movie, as I mentioned. All of this is leading up to the story of last year, and we immediately get the start of another monologue from a young woman whose story starts with her parents getting a divorce right when she finally got a new retainer. So it was a real roller coaster of a time for her. <laughs> Yeah, um, definitely a young woman. She's got that retainer in, which makes her look even younger. Yeah, it really does. And she's talking about the incident that happened last year, but we don't have any details yet. We don't. We go back to Michael Caine. He had been working out of Sao Paulo, Brazil, and he and his wife and daughter, played by a young Demi Moore, decide to spend their last vacation in Rio before he transfers out of the country. He tells us it has the reputation of being the most sensuous city in the world. And after 20 years of marriage, he's excited to find out. There's a lot of talk really quickly about his marriage. And I know that they're trying to set the tone for things that are going to come later, but it doesn't seem like he and his wife Karen are on the same page here. No, we see that very soon. It's not going to just be them on the trip, though. His best friend Victor is coming, too. Now, Victor's having a tough time because he's currently going through a divorce. So this trip is just what he needs. We also hear that Victor's daughter is flying in to join them. And three minutes and 42 seconds into the movie, this is the exact moment where I start feeling like an overwhelming sense of dread. <laughs> I'm like, this, this can't be... This just can't be going this direction, right? So I was informed about the plot of this movie before watching it. And I, I knew that some stuff was coming. Um, so I had tried to prepare myself for it. It's it's difficult to prepare. <laughs> I was going to say, it didn't succeed. Victor also drops this gem when mentioning how his soon-to-be ex-wife wants half of everything he's got. Wish I had herpes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then he picks his daughter up at the airport and comments on how she's basically a woman now. And I've got more dread loading at this point. I'm just like, no, 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 no. Where is this movie going? Yeah. And then we cut to her monologuing, uh, saying how she wanted to tell her dad not to feel guilty about what happened. So they are just foreshadowing the hell out of this, which doesn't make it right. But like, they're trying. They're trying to set you up for this emotionally. Uh, I did not get there. <laughs> I I wish I had um, Mike's feelings about this movie too a little bit. I want to know why he thought we should talk about it. Maybe he'll let us know in the comments. I mean, again, he, he's not wrong for it being on our podcast because it fits. After a quick monologue about his parents' marriage being a 50-year-long disaster, we see a frosty exchange, like you mentioned, between Michael Caine and his wife. And the next day, we find out that it's even more wrong than he suspected. While he is packing for Rio, she's packing for Bahia. So long story short, she's leaving for reasons that he can't entirely comprehend. Yeah, they're not going on the same vacation. He tries to put some of his stuff in her suitcase, but uh, she tells him that's a bad idea. So now what we're left with is a daddy-daughter double date. Just two dads and two daughters. Yeah. Let's see what happens. They're planning on heading to Rio to have a good time uh, at the beach and in a house that they've rented. Um, but before we get to Brazil, we have to definitely fly there. Yeah, I love this transition, by the way, because Michael Caine, when hearing about his wife leaving, tells Victor, we're not leaving until I change your mind. And the next line is, the flight without her was awful. <laughs> he just, he that immediately. <laughs> He's really struggling here um, with his wife not being with him and that there's some conflict in their relationship. Either way, he's really looking forward to this trip now. And we can tell because he fantasizes some like old-timey newsreel footage of people dancing on the wing of the plane in black and white. What was this? This to me was like the film telling you they were traveling from one place to another. Kind of like that Indiana Jones on a map kind of thing. But instead in this one, it is, yeah, weird black and white footage of can-can dancers on the top of planes. <laughs> but there's some strange shots of, like, them pushing each other off the plane and shit. And I was like, this is weird. And they were singing a song about flying to Brazil. Yeah, it must be from, like, an old movie, some other previous film or, like I said, it looks like newsreel footage, but it's clearly from something. Weird that that's where his mind goes, but whatever, he's old and British. They land soon afterwards, and we get a tiny bit of character development. 
Victor, we find out, has got quite a temper. He gets angry when a handsome man pulls up and starts ogling the two daughters. To be fair, the daughters throw out some comments about this older Brazilian gentleman first. Oh, they're boy crazy. Yeah, yeah, fully boy crazy. And Michael Caine thinks they should establish some rules for if they go on dates. And by they, I mean the daughters with like local Brazilian guys. But is that what Michael Caine means? <laughs> At the time, yes. At the time, that is his intention, I think. I think he is thinking he wants to set some ground rules for his daughter, at least. So does Victor, but his I love this. His daughter pulls the classic, well, mom lets me stay out until one card so that, like, to negotiate a better curfew. Such a classic divorce move, eh? Just trying to pit uh, one parent against the other. Uh, I think where Victor really makes his bet is that uh, he goes out with sort of the same things in mind, so he can't have a higher ground when he's talking about most of these things. And we actually see that in a few of their exchanges later where, like, he's basically like, why are you up so late? And she's like, why are you up so late? And he's like, touche. And he's kind of like, whatever. And I'm like, that's not how you parent. That's right. Yeah, what? Okay. Yeah. As soon as they arrive at their hotel, some kind of tropical bird lays an egg, which Michael Caine says is a sign. What does it represent? fertility he says seductively moving his hips in front of his own daughter which is somehow only like the eighth creepiest thing in this movie (laughs) well yeah so there's like a whole menagerie in this house there are like primates and birds and reptiles everywhere a mute south american housekeeper (laughs) yeah who's constantly looking disapprovingly at them but yeah the dance that the two guys get into the two older gentlemen as they like talk about trying to have fun (laughs) is very very awkward it is and they dance us right into a transition we see everyone sleeping well except victor he's angry about lawyers i'm starting to think we might not get many more dimensions to this character yeah he tends to play either sleazy or hot the entire time time uh speaking of hot no that's a terrible transition no uh <laughs> in the morning michael kane wakes up the two girls because he wants to get to the beach and we get one of the most bizarre lines in this whole movie where jennifer says to uh, michael kane's daughter your father's so sweet i used to have a crush on him me too does the me too refer to Jennifer's dad, or are they saying that they both had a crush on Michael Caine? It sounds like she has a crush on her own father. If I'm being extremely generous... Maybe it's like a I used to look up to him or idolize him thing, but that and that comes not, back. That's not a crush. That comes back in this movie, and I think there is a point in time where kids do see their parents as superheroes, right? Like they think of him that way. After the, that line, I kind of freaked out. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I was like, this is the theme of a porno, not a <laughs> comedy movie. Yeah. I was like, this is about to get real dark. So they're... They- Bla- blasted on Rio. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> So they, they, they go to eat some breakfast and a fancy neighbor comes over. Yeah, Victor meets a friendly neighbor and he decides to talk about something other than his divorce for a change. No, I'm just kidding. He just talks about the divorce. <laughs> and for some reason, despite being such a hurry to get to the beach, Michael Caine decides to call his wife because uh, he somehow has the number to the resort that she's at and manages to actually reach her, which would never fucking happen in the time before the internet. And he tries to win her back by basically being like, are you miserable yet? Which, (laughs) dude, I'm shocked that didn't work considering he's given her like a full 12 hours of space. How much time does she need? Clearly, she should be ready to run back to the family, but she isn't yet. Oh, he thinks so, though. After this sad phone conversation, they actually do head off to the beach and, and we get kind of some scenes of Brazil. And one of the things that I thought was pretty well done in this movie were a lot of the footage of Brazil itself. Okay, that's funny because I thought that was just like straight filler, but Either way, they bump into some friends there who have clearly traveled from uh, wherever, England, or I don't know if yeah, they have British accents. We also bump into some extremely pervy-looking guitar players in Speedos and half shirts just walking <laughs> along the beach. The, uh, <laughs> they're singing a song. Uh, that part is pretty hilarious. The beach scene is funny. Uh, we have a lot of men in like very tight G-string kind of bathing suits and a lot of women who are walking around topless. Well, I was going to say, the look that Michael Caine and Victor give these two guitar players as they walk by is the same look I had on my face as I was watching this. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Uh, Luckily, though, as you mentioned, there is some far better scenery around. Many topless women. Unluckily, two of those women are their daughters. (laughs) Yeah, they're walking around and trying not to step on naked people. Uh, I don't know who walks over other beachgoers as they're trying to make their way. There was plenty of space to walk around. You go around. That's so weird. Yeah, Michael Caine decided to walk right over top of them. But they do reach their daughters, and they're, like, certainly comfortable with them being topless on the beach. No, they're not. What are you talking about, man? Victor is uh, especially rattled by this. 
But in his defense, it's probably just because his daughter needs a lot more room in her suitcase for bras than Demi Moore did. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so this is interesting because Demi Moore became kind of a sex symbol in a way, right? Yeah. Wasn't, implants. She had implants. Okay. I was going to say, wasn't one of those aspects <laughs> yeah. having a large chest? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That, that answered that question, I guess. Later that day, the two of them dropped their daughters off at a Brazilian wedding, which I guess just like anyone can attend, while they go trawling for ass. <laughs> So the Brazilian wedding is interesting. They knew it was a wedding because there were all these cars painted and people were driving past them and honking and heading to the beach. And yeah, apparently anyone can go. So the girls hopped on to go. And Victor was definitely not down with that. Like you said, he needed to get some tail. Yeah, and he spots a couple of interested ladies. But Michael Caine gets cold feet and bails. And where does he head? To the wedding to pick up the daughters. Did I say pick up? Because I meant lay down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, my God. So Kane is out there. What's Kane's character? Matthew. So Matthew, uh, Kane's character, and Victor head off to the bars. And what coming into this movie, I really thought we were going to get the second coming of the booty shark. <laughs> the booty shark. <laughs> we watched Jaws of yeah. Revenge, and probably the best part of that movie was our friend Michael Caine uh, just going all out on a similarly aged woman um, and just really after the... And I thought that's what we were going to have here. I thought he was going to come out hot and, and be a booty shark, but he definitely wasn't. He did not come out looking for any tail. Uh, really, Victor would the, be the booty shark of this film. And yet. And yet, yeah. He's going he's gonna to get himself into a tsunami of an inappropriateness shortly, but he definitely wasn't out there hunting the ocean for it. It kind of found him on the beach. After a local culture scene with music, dancers, and fire... The wedding party runs into the water to dance, topless. Michael Caine is like, I can't, I'm too old, then immediately makes out with his best friend's daughter. She runs away, not because she's grossed out, but to find somewhere more private. And after Michael Caine gets an up-close look at her boobs through his giant fucking glasses... <laughs> those, See, glasses those glasses are, are enormous. The, you know how you can go buy the comedic glasses that you yeah. would put on if for clowning? He's literally wearing those for sight in this film. My guy's like a British Harry Carey. He's powerless to resist. As she says, make love to me, and pops out her retainer. Now... <laughs> dude you're we, like this isn't gonna happen no, right like no, there's no way no. he's gonna do this the second that retainer popped out i'd be fucking out of there just like gone we've watched some cringy shit but this is the cringiest shit ever the entire time this character matthew is playing like i'm missing my wife i'm like a good guy i'm not going after anything and then upon seeing someone who calls him uncle all the time he decides it's time to have a spontaneous sexual moment. I mean, she didn't right there, but she has many times previously, yes. I'm going to say there are few things less sexy than someone popping a retainer out of their mouth. Well, especially a, a teenage girl. Well, that's because you don't see adults with retainers. How many adults yeah. do you see? It can happen, but it's rare. Like 99% yeah. of your retainer clientele is fucking teenagers. No good. <laughs> I think that percentage might be a little off. I think there's more adults yeah. than you think that put retainers in at night, but I think you're right. I think at night. At night, yeah. though. Oh, yeah, yeah. They don't, no, 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 they don't want them to From here, we get a cutaway to Michael Caine's monologue, where up until now, he seemed... Like guilty and contrite, but as he ends this one, I swear he smirks like just a little. He's just thinking about what he did. Yeah. Rather than being like repentant. That's is, right. Yeah. That's exactly what it seems like uh. to me. Well, back on the beach, he wakes up on Jennifer's ass and hears people approaching. It's the friends that he and Victor bumped into earlier. Now, this is the most hilarious sequence in the whole movie. He tries to run away, but knows he won't make it. So he frantically buries himself in the sand and does a horrendous job of trying to act natural when they find him. <laughs> yeah, he covers basically just his genitals, right? He covers just his lower region. He's clearly naked. His feet and chest are sticking out, and he looks like he's trying to relax. The The British couple looks at him and sort of asks him a couple questions, and they're like, hey, is that Karen over there? He's like, no, it's not Karen. He says she's dead. <laughs> That's right. He said she's dead. And then they're like, she died? And he's like, no, not really dead. Like, metaphorically dead. Not in the conventional sense where she's not alive. (laughs) Jesus, man. Holy shit. He doesn't know what's happening right now. He's as smooth as the sand he's lying on. Yeah, he has no Uh, idea. No, fuck no. After that, he wakes up Jennifer and tries to convince her that she's been dreaming. But the jig is up when she's like, was I dreaming about us making love? And he's like, yes. But how would you know? So she's got him. <laughs> this is the stupidest shit ever. And then she asks him if he's ready for another dream oh, because she say, yeah. is, right? Oh, she's my not goodness. mad. But you know what? I doubt he is, though, at his age. 
<laughs> yeah. He couldn't sleep it off. The hilarious part is they do portray him as a 42-year-old man. Yeah. Like they tell at his age. He's clearly in his 50s as he's performing this role. Uh, I would say yes. Either way, I don't think he's going to be good to go that soon thereafter. Here's my real question about this scene, though. Where's her retainer now? Oh, is it, it in the sand? Yeah. Was she just holding it the whole time? It's in the sand with his glasses because he took those off as well. Also, who sleeps naked on sand? She's been face down in that sand for who knows how long. Like, Well, she does say that the only regrettable part of that was getting the sand out of her body parts after. She says belly button. That's not where I thought that was going to go. No, <laughs> that's true. When else. she dropped that line, I figured we were going to hear something else. But I guess they didn't want to be that crass. Oh, yeah. That's the one. That's, that's the, the line one. they drew. The line they were fine with that old man a teenager but they were not okay they were not willing to say that she had sand in her vagina <laughs> like that's where we're at here <laughs> yeah man there's a bridge too far for them jeez so so now we check in on victor who is enjoying a cigar after closing the deal with the fellow divorcee she's only been separated from her husband for 12 days but she's been busy apparently victor is her 12th lover in that time she asked if that upsets him but his response is great no nah, i've always been a team player <laughs> oh my goodness yeah Victor. he is definitely the booty shark of this film he is really sleazy you can tell he's willing to sort of sleep with anyone and and that comes up a little bit more later sure does he's also in great spirits when he comes back to the hotel but i'm guessing that's going to change real soon the next morning, Jennifer writes about Michael Caine in her diary while he tries to get in shape to impress her by struggling through one push-up. Yeah, I think he was on three when he gave up. He just couldn't pull it off. Um, and right at that time, Victor walks into him to talk about his sexual escapades. Yeah, and he kind of gets the impression that something's up, which is enough to spook Michael Caine. Of course, he isn't spooked enough to not make out with her when he's in the middle of shaving. I mean, he tried not to, but then she kind of uh, gave him a bit of a ultimatum, right? She's like, well, we can just go tell my dad or you can make out with me again. Yeah, she is not being even a little bit careful about this. She goes outside for breakfast with her dad with shaving cream still on her face. She also tries to hold hands with him in front of her dad and writes, I heart you in a pile of sand on the table. So he's fucked. And I mean, what does he expect, right? Like this is a teenage girl. They we don't, don't ever actually find her name, right? Six, six, 17? They don't tell 16, her age. They, they never tell her age. Eight, I, 18? I, I think this film is trying to imply she's of age. Or like that she's 18. Like I think Of age in Rio in the 80s or of age in like current society? I don't know. I mean, this movie is based off of another movie. And it is about an 18 and 17-year-old girl and two 40-something dads. And it is the 17-year-old who gets with one of the dads. It's a French movie, right? Yes. So That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I think it's called One Wild Night is the the French one, or that's the English translation of the, the the French movie. That one is more of a dramatic movie, from what I understand. It is less of a comedy that this one seems to fill in a void, which I think is really weird, right? I think it's strange that they chose to do this storyline and then make it a joke, right? Like, I feel like that would play better as a drama uh, if you're really looking at that, because there's so much wrong with that power dynamic in that relationship right it's funny that you bring this up i have thoughts on this but i'm going to save them to the end because it ties into my my rating rating? okay uh but it is it's worth thinking about for sure so like i said he is fucked and maybe really fucked because the next night while making dinner victor tells him that she isn't on birth control yet and michael kane gets real uncomfortable so if you had michael kane cry on your disgusting visuals bingo card go ahead and mark that off (laughs) oh god damn it (laughs) you just said michael kane cry you said Dude, he's he's so concerned, you know what happened. God, um, I'm glad we don't have anyone drawing fan art yet for our podcast. (laughs) That's not one that I want to (laughs) see. Oh, no. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) this is a really funny conversation. What it seems to be setting up for me, and this is not what I expected going into the movie, was that we're going to have a whole bunch of comedy related to trying to see if Michael Caine's going to get caught or not. And that's the kind of screwball zany element I sort of mentioned before. And this is where it started to feel a lot like a sitcom to me or like a buddy comedy. And I was like, this is really weird because I was expecting this to happen and then there to be like either... Both dads were cool with it or immediate follow. But now that we have this, will they find out? Will they not find out thing? This is where the comedy part really starts to happen. I do want to bring one more thing up about the uh, dinner they were making. Michael Caine grates like 40 carrots 
and stacks them in a fucking pile on a plate and calls it a salad. Oh, I thought it was cheese. No, I think it was carrots. He fucking just kept piling carrots in a giant mountain, and I was like, really? This he's is just a weird frantically sound. grating. He's channeling his nervousness into <laughs> grating. Well, that's because, what exactly yeah. happens, and I was like, is that what they're trying to tell us, or is this how people make salads? Uh, I think it's the first one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know who we haven't seen in a while? Demi Moore. We're not going to either. We're not yeah. going to see her because they need to get her out of the way so we can have an awkward triangle between Matthew, Jennifer, and Victor. So uh, Demi Moore skips dinner, and we get several more scenes of Jennifer trying to get Michael Caine murdered as she aggressively flirts with him in front of her father. They keep doing that sort of like under the table thigh grab, or you always see in movies where they like rub a foot on the lower leg. Yeah, but she's like rubbing her whole fucking leg. I just had her leg wrapped all the way yeah, around. She's giving like, it. Yeah. And sometimes in movies, those like kind of moments set off enjoyable feelings, right? You're like, oh, that's funny. That's like, you're kind of like, oh, not, not at all. Not, 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 not even a one. fucking little bit. So Victor's just oblivious to all this. So when he takes off to go looking for ladies, he tells Michael Caine to babysit her. And if she has anything she shouldn't do, to put her over his knee. And spank her. <laughs> it's so what, bad. What did you, you say Holy like that? shit. I can't what believe they're you? leading this up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that is, they were implying a very dirty spanking. Well, I know. In well, she's into it. Well, she still. even offers biting and spanking at some point. Yeah, I'm man. Sure. So the heat is on, and uh, now Michael Caine only has one defense left. Try to gross her out by reminding her that he's old as fuck and has known her since she was a baby. And he tries. He tells the story of her christening, which was the first time he kissed her. Her response? How dare you drive a tiny baby wild with desire. <laughs> Good God, man. <laughs> That line was brutal. And then he makes a really bad move here. He decides that he's not going to f*** her. But they do. But he's he's willing to get into a hammock and cuddle with her and talk. There is no way he's getting out of that hammock without uh, leading towards intercourse. Oh, no. They absolutely bang again. And only after having unprotected sex does he ask her about the whole birth control thing. Hey, I've got something to say to Michael Caine. Stop stealing my moves. <laughs> um... <laughs> Why would he go back a second time without making sure she was on birth control? Because he's thinking with his c That's all. Okay. He's not using his brain. His the, brain whole time, afterwards. the whole Once time. Once he's done, then, yeah. then his brain yeah. takes over and again. He's like, oh, I was an idiot. Yeah. He kicks her out of bed at that point in just the nick of time because her dad is home from her date, still oblivious. You know who isn't oblivious, though? Damn, he more. Who, for some reason, isn't mad at her best friend, but is mad at her dad. And all I could think of when she's explaining this is, oh, my God, her mom is going to get everything in that divorce. <laughs> everything. <laughs> well, we already found out it's uh, Victor had been unfaithful and 50% is going to be given up by him. Um, but this sets another level of degeneracy for sure. I don't disagree with you. The next day, we get another scene of Jennifer doing the worst job ever of trying to hide this. On the advice of a local woman, she throws some flowers into the ocean in order to get her prayers answered. When they don't come back, she starts shouting all over the beach that it means he loves her, and he decides to finally end things. She is not on board with this, though, and when he pushes the issue, she decides to tell her father. Now, the setup for this is incredible, because she tells him she has to talk to him, and he's like, is it about a boy? And she's like, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> the best part about this is that Michael Caine is clearly listening from the room beside. Um, and the entire time that she's telling her father all the details about this difficult situation and he's sort of probing and asking questions, Michael Caine is packing his suitcase to get the fuck out of there. Oh, absolutely. And you really mentioned she gives away all the details. She tells us her dad the guy was 43 and married. Her dad flips out. She also mentioned that she's on birth control. Big exhale from Michael Caine there. And she even fires up at her dad with an, I love him, daddy. <laughs> and although she is doing a truly terrible job of acting in this scene, Victor actually calms down. Now, as you mentioned, Michael Caine tried to bolt during all of this, but Victor grabs him on the way out of the door and asks him to stay. Victor needs his best friend and specifically needs him to take Jennifer out for lunch to try to dig for information. Little does he know that the only thing Matthew's digging with his daughter is tunnels. <laughs> He's such an asshole. Um, so this part, I, I hate to say this, but I think it's kind of funny that he is now relying on Kane to be the one who is going to figure out this problem. Dramatic irony. And Kane is... Like playing along and, and sort of going with it, but he knows that this can't go on forever, right? This this lunch, he takes her up in a gondola to a, like a very tall restaurant on top of a mountain. And what does she think is going to happen up there? Oh, she just assumes they're back together. And in fact, she's so excited about what she thinks is a date. She takes a naked selfie using a Polaroid camera because, you know, the 80s. 
And uh, we actually see a little book there. Well, not a little book, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that one, Nick. <laughs> uh, it, I, that is the most uh, nudity we definitely see in the film, which tells me at least the actress is of age that they're taking the pictures of, which I'm thankful for. But it is a, a really weird scenario. She she has some flowers she's held in front of her, and she's taken like a sultry nude to give to him. It's what a person that age would think is sultry. Why is she holding flowers? She's trying to keep it classy. She doesn't want it to be one of those pictures that you would see in a in an adult <laughs> oh, magazine. Yeah. You know, she's trying to keep it real classy. She decides to give this to him while they're traveling up the mountain in the gondola and a bunch of people are around. Uh, I mean, <laughs> there's only one other man around and he tries to take a pretty good look at it. I love that shit. That's, yeah, this is incredible. He refuses, but we get a nice moment there where he pushes the picture back to her and an Asian gentleman spots it and tries to use his camera to take a picture of the picture. <laughs> And and at this point, I might be willing to admit that there are, in fact, 80s pervs. Yes, it's happening. Or is he the exception that proves the rule? Yeah. Victor is an 80s perv. Oh, I knew we were going to get into this. I don't Victor's think so. an 80s perv. No, why Victor's not? Victor's not an 80s perv. The whole mm. point is that everyone's just trying to get laid in the 80s. Victor's trying to get laid in the 80s. It's a normal guy. It's a normal guy. He's single. He's divorced. He's going through a divorce. He's going through a divorce because he cheated on his wife. He also called... Cheating on your wife does not make you a perv. He called his girls good girls, but he said he wanted to go out and look for some bad girls. Yeah, exactly. Rio, right? Was, As, AKA adult women. I mean, that guy on the gondola was definitely looking to have a young woman. He's the exception that proves yeah. the rule. At this lunch, she tries to convince him that them dating wouldn't be weird, and he tries to convince her that she has no idea what the hell she's talking about, but they kind of end the lunch on a draw. Later on, at some sort of street martial arts display, she spots a random 19-year-old she knows, and she decides to basically reverse dare Michael Caine to fuck the guy. Well, like, she'll fuck him, but only to make Michael Caine jealous. He calls her bluff, but later that night, she starts taunting him by whipping out her c**t. This is a hell of a tennis match. They're just going back and forth. It's really strange in this movie because clearly the power dynamic should be Michael Caine over this young woman, right? And yet, after they get together, most of the cards are definitely held by the young woman. Oh, she's the aggressor for sure. And I think that's them trying to take Michael Caine off the hook, right? They're trying to make him sympathetic. Which kind of, again, it's sort of the only way you can do it, I guess. Which is really weird, right? Like, it's a strange, like, it seems like this whole movie is about making what happened on the beach in Rio acceptable. It's like, even in the fucking theme song. Like, did the person who wanted to make this movie decide, like, did they have a problem? I was going to say, this this might be, this is is the beginning of a great theory. The screenwriter basically did this. Cheated on his own wife with an underage daughter of a friend of theirs and try to justify retroactively by like writing a movie script to try to like that's, movie I think so I think that's what had to happen I mean we know that the original story is French and I, I think they push the boundaries more than most cultures on what is both sexually and I don't know age appropriate and so I'm not shocked that it was a story there but yeah I think there's something to our theory that maybe the screenwriters who wanted to bring this over to English television they were trying to justify something based on a true story yeah maybe man Matthew once again tries to get up the courage to tell victor but after victor literally pulls out a knife and says he's going to use it on the guy when he finds him matthew backs off and after a quick conversation with his daughter remember her remember debbie morse in this movie we see her very very rarely michael Caine seeks out some professional help after this in the form of the same local woman who told jennifer to throw those flowers in the ocean now, i don't know exactly what he tried there's like some candles or something but it sure seems like it didn't work since the second he gets home victor calls him into jennifer's bedroom to read her diary Victor is just all around this, but is ignoring all of Michael Caine's tells. For example, the way he gets oddly jealous when he hears about a different guy she slept with called Moose. Who the hell's Moose? Must be some kid at school. She never told me about him either. How can you send it to a school where the guys are called Moose? Yeah. This is ridiculous. Oh, it it is hilarious that Michael Caine is now starting to get um, jealous and defensive of Jennifer. The whole time he seemed to know that it was wrong, but now as this is all starting to crumble and she's starting to like get away from him, he seems to be falling back into maybe they are in love. It's a real honeypot he's got himself stuck in here. For some reason, Victor thinks they have enough evidence to go looking for the guy. They definitely don't. Uh, And apparently his whole plan is to ask Matthew's daughter if she knows anything. Now, she doesn't give it up, but she continues to be super frosty to her dad. And again, she's oddly okay with Jennifer, which I'm not sure this is how this would play out in real life. It's interesting because I think what's happened here is she is so angry at her dad that she can't hold any ill will towards her friend. 
right? Like if she still thought of her dad as a hero, like if she still had that sort of superhero mentality about her father, then she would have been fucking pissed at her her friend, right? She would have blamed her friend. It wouldn't have been her dad at all in that situation. But I think she's so down on her father that she blames him for the whole situation. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, that night in the club, Matthew and Victor stake out a singer who is definitely not the guy who's sleeping with Victor's daughter. But <laughs> thanks to Demi Moore, it's the best lead they've got. After this singer gets a little too close while singing a romantic song, Victor runs up on stage and attacks him. And the exhausted look on Michael Caine's face is exactly how I feel at this point. Just get to it already. We're running out of time for any kind of resolutions. like 20 minutes left in this movie. I laughed my ass off during this scene. I was in the same place as you. I was like, when is this all going to come down? They're holding up this scenario too long, right? But when he goes and punches this Brazilian and they get into a fight on stage and Kane has to get on there and try to help break it up, you're just like, I thought he would have stopped it earlier than this, but he hasn't. And, and it's getting to a ridiculous point. Yeah, that's exactly the word. The word is ridiculous. It looks like our prayers may be answered, though, because later on, Jennifer interrupts a dinner with Matthew and Victor to turn up the heat and basically force Matthew to tell her dad, which he does, and the second he does, we get thunder and lightning. Like, literally, right that minute. I paused and broke down laughing. I I had to stop the movie and laugh my ass off because the very second he broke it to Victor, that Matthew broke to Victor, you get this huge flash of lightning, the screen kind of goes black, and you have that thunder, and you're just like, are you kidding? This is melodramatic bullshit. Strangely, though, there's no thunder or lightning from Victor, who is too shocked and or devastated to hit Michael Caine, even though he repeatedly asked him to. But you know what he's not too shocked to do? Work in the title of the movie. Oh, I missed this. So he he yeah. drops the blame it on Rio. Oh, he literally says, oh, blame it on Rio, right? Yeah, oh, I'm like, fuck yeah. I'm like, damn. we got like 15 minutes left in the movie. I thought it was never going to happen. It happened. He's clearly not okay with this, though, as he literally runs back and forth between Michael Caine and Jennifer's rooms that night to listen for any kind of hanky-panky. The two of them manage to outwit him and sneak off to the car where Michael Caine attempts to end things again for some reason. Wasn't this already over? I don't understand what he's doing. He's trying to break up with her again? Yeah, they keep getting back together. Um, I thought the door scene was the most sitcom-y out of all the scenes in there. It yeah. just felt like something that should should go in there. And They're it, just it, missing each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly the entire time. And then they sneak out of the window to go have that conversation in the car. And then they have to hide in the front of the car when Matthew's daughter, Demi, comes home. Despite them hiding in the front of that car, Demi Moore still spots them talking and calls her mom, tells her that she needs to come to Rio right away, and she does the next morning as Victor is trying to drag Jennifer out of there. Good thing, too, because after a heated exchange about whether or not Matthew is a pedophile, Victor has Matthew in a headlock and is trying to rip his head off. Everyone is mad at everyone, and in the course of all the shouting, it comes out that Michael Caine's wife has been having an affair with Victor the whole time. Now, before we can find out how this shakes out, Demi Moore, who despite being the movie for about five minutes total, is the only one paying attention, finds a suicide note from Jennifer, and we immediately jump to the hospital. Yeah, this is a lot. Like, we have a lot of drawn-out sort of dramedy. It's like this mix of comedy. It's mostly comedy with a little bit of dramatic stuff left in there to see what's going to happen. And then one minute, we find out that there are other affairs in their relationship. We find out that there's a lot of problems between everyone in Matthew's family. And then we're straight to a hospital with a birth control overdose. Yeah, and yet another of a long line of hilarious misunderstandings. It turns out Jennifer tried to kill herself by overdosing on birth control pills. And this all culminates in a supposed to be hilarious scene in which Victor and Michael Caine are in bed together fighting over the sheets (laughs) and then wrestling in a combination of Victor's pajamas and Michael Caine's tidy whities Like, they're blue, but, like, whatever. This scene is funny. The sort of, um, I guess she was a maid, comes in and sees this and, like, gives them a disapproving look. Classic 80s homophobia. Victor's kind of, like, mounted him and it looks vaguely sexual and she's, like, stunned that she crosses herself and leaves the room. Yeah. So this is weird. It it all kind of falls into this weirdness. But then you do get a a quote from Michael Caine the next morning saying, like, we better get out of here because you've already slept with two or three of my family. It ends in a really kind of convoluted way. Well, it does. it, And one of the things that confused me the most, why is Michael Caine's wife upset? She can be mad at Michael Caine for doing it. Sure. It's the age difference. It's disturbing. She can be mad at, she is mad at Jennifer. She calls Jennifer a bitch at one yeah. point because like, whatever. But why is Michael Caine's wife mad at Victor for like letting this happen? In some ways, I think she thought Victor was the better man. Like, I think she thought she was with Victor, and I think she thought she was going to be with Victor, and she thought that he would be someone who would be preventing or stopping that from happening. Well, hang on. He didn't f*** his best friend's daughter. He is the better man. 
Yes, I think so. But I think she expected him to look out for Michael Caine, and, and he didn't, right? He was too busy finding his own. But she isn't looking out for Michael Caine because she's I Victor. That's I why know, I say that. It doesn't make any sense. I am not sure of the full motivations of Karen. They didn't give enough interview time. Of course in the not. There's yet. no there's no yeah. development for half these characters, more than half. Speaking of which, Jennifer shows up, breaks up this tension, and not only is she fine, but she's completely over Michael Caine less than 12 hours after she tried to kill herself over him. So this is baffling, yeah. right? Like, this part to me made absolutely zero sense. She was immediately done with him, is no longer interested in him, and in fact is in love with a Brazilian doctor. Yeah, well, he's going to be a doctor. He's not a doctor yet. Adding to the confusion in all this, Michael Caine's ex-wife is also calling it quits with Victor and getting back together with Michael Caine? (laughs) This all ends in a really fucked up way. Everything's gone back to the way it was. Like, they, they, I guess they just had to kind of wrap this thing up. And I mentioned, like, I was like, like, we don't have enough time to resolve this. And we really don't. This kind of like, okay, put him back with her, put him back with her. And like, it's, it's weird. But you know what is low-key the most hilarious part of this whole movie? Debbie Moore says goodbye to Victor as they're leaving. And he's like, thanks for whatever you did. I didn't do anything. Which perfectly <laughs> sums up her role in this movie. She didn't do anything. She's barely in this fucking thing, man. It is true. Uh-huh. It, she she did not play a big role. I wonder if no. she was upset looking back at how much screen time she got. Would she have preferred to be the other woman? I mean, she wasn't famous at this point. so. Yeah. But, I mean, she's not going to be the other woman. Doesn't she star in a movie called... Striptease? Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> You just pulled it right out there. Um, you know, <laughs> too quick. You know what's baffling for me in this is they end up sort of like summing it up by talking about what happened, and both of the married couples get back together. Even Victor with his wife. Yeah, we get one last Michael Caine monologue that wraps it all up. I want to talk about these monologues. Should we wait for the ratings, or should we just want to do it now? Uh, can I talk about it first? Go. And then, then we can it's talk a, about it's the a weird fucking thing. It's it's really really strange, and I was trying to determine what they were, and I had two theories in mind. So the first theory is that the monologue is them talking to a divorce lawyer. That was my first thought. Oh, that would make sense. It well, was yeah, them, they wouldn't. They undo it at the end. But it well, because they undo sense. it. Yeah. So that was my first thought. And then afterwards, I thought maybe all of these interviews were a part of relationship counseling. Mm, okay. So I thought maybe what they were doing was talking to like a family therapist, family therapist yeah. and trying to get out all of this stuff. But what doesn't maybe drive is why Jennifer is also in on those interviews, right? Like if it was just Michael Caine giving these and then figuring it out, then we'd be okay. But why do they also have those monologues with Jennifer? And it's it's just such a really strange way to break up and, and show the, like, I guess everything is a flashback, but I, I wonder yeah. why they're, they're doing it in that way. Well, and you said break up and it's true. It breaks up the flow of this movie. There are times when I'm like, okay, we're maybe kind of building momentum and all of a sudden we're back to that like white background. And Michael Caine explaining his motivation, which, like, it's not a device usually used in movies because you have the visual medium. You can yeah. express stuff with facial expressions and actions. And yeah. so, yeah, it's it's really weird. And that's it. Like, we're at the credits at this point after a couple more, like, funny lines. And the credits feature, like, we'll call them highlights from the movie, but I don't know if they're really highlights or not. And at this point, I only have one last question for you. Have you had this theme song stuck in your head ever since you watched this? Because I have been blaming shit on Rio for the last week and a half. I just can't get it out of my head. It is really catchy. The one thing that they get right about this is that song. And I don't even think it's the lyrics. I think it's just the music that goes behind it. Um, it it's just perfectly fitting for it really does it fits it well yeah Um, i played it for a couple people today just because i was like i (laughs) need to share the love of this song um are they gonna watch the movie they're gonna watch the movie are they i I hope not because that'll be on you they'll be like (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) oh my god why told me to watch this movie and they'll be like what the fuck is this no i told them not to watch the movie I said, okay. if anything, watch the French original or the... the oh, re- no. I or, think that's probably worse. Or the dirty. remake that came out... Uh, I'm sorry. Wait, what? Yes. There's, a, there's been another version of this since then? Yes. Fuck off. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So How? So, How did this get made? So there is the original French movie, and then there is this movie from 1984. And I believe in 2015, maybe 2017, they made another movie called One Wild Night. And it has the same premise. Who on earth saw this and was like, you know what? We need to bring this story back. Apparently, there's a lot of screenwriters who like to f*** teenagers. (laughs) Is what I'm learning about this. Oh, God. Because that's the only explanation. Like, this was one of the most difficult movies, I think, for us to watch and talk about. Just based on that strange thing where Michael Caine has sex with... I don't know if underage is the right word, but she is well, way... Well, she might be. We don't know. We don't know, but she's way too young. It's she is not a fucking okay. retainer. 
it's, it's not, not a okay. turn on. Yeah, it's not okay. Okay, so uh, this is a perfect transition. Let's get to the ratings. We rate this on a scale of one to ten. We do it twice. One to ten for how bad it is. One to ten for how enjoyable it is. And the goal is to find movies that are a ten out of ten on both scales, or as we call it, the crit, crit 20. 20. 20. 20. 20. And I normally go first for this, but I feel like I need you to go first for this one so I can go second. And I just this a gut instinct by me. How bad on a scale of one to ten is this movie? Usually bad's really easy. Like, usually yeah. it's really, really easy for me. I love that you're winding up this way. This is kind of why I wanted to go second. <laughs> what do you got? So this was harder because just at its core, this whole concept and the idea of Michael Caine having sex with this young woman is fucking horrendous. Yeah, it's really bad. It's really bad. The writing in this movie sucks. Generally, the acting is really bad, too. I don't think that... Blaming a place in Brazil is an excuse to have sex with an underage woman. So I think that that's, yeah, a, that's a challenge to me. <laughs> um, I don't understand the choice to make it sort of a buddy comedy or another comedy. But there were moments in it where I was hoping Michael Caine would get caught. Like I wanted to see this happen. And I was kind of connected and following along with what was happening. With all that said, it, it's still a really bad movie. And I'm going to give it a nine bad do you have your bad ready? It's a 10, you monster. Nine? What are you talking about? This guy f***s his best friend's teenage daughter. What's the matter with you? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I, have a nine, I have a nine also. Oh, okay. I was worried that you wouldn't and you were going to basically give me the same speech I just gave you. <laughs> no. Uh, I have it as a nine also. And I really struggle with that. Because here's the thing. If you're trying to make a movie where a guy f***s his best friend's teenage daughter... I can't think of a better way to do it. <laughs> like <laughs> you're saying they executed this as well as possible yeah, like, under the circumstances. That's, that's yeah. Like, should this have been done? No, but if that was your intention and you have to navigate all the potential moral, ethical and censorship landmines that would prevent you from being able to make this movie, I kind of think this is the only way you can. So while this is truly terrible and I will forevermore be ashamed that I have not only watched this, but now own it on Blu-ray. <laughs> Are you going to buy the other two versions too? Fuck no. There's zero percent chance. I feel like they accomplished what they set out to do, so I can't give it a 10. Like, it sounds crazy as I'm saying it, although I feel better since you also said it's a 9, but that's my number. I have it as a 9. I think they kind of accomplished what they wanted to do. Yeah, I hate the premise. Like, I absolutely hate the premise, um, but the way it was executed was better than I expected. Yeah. I, I honestly thought it was going to be a movie where both old dads got with both young women and they were like high-fiving each other. I thought this was going to be like... I, I mean, it could have been worse. It could have been a lot worse. I yeah. really thought this was going to be like an 80s, like super perv movie. Well, that's impossible. I know. They don't exist to you. <laughs> okay, but now how enjoyable do you think it was on a scale of 110? We talked about a couple of the things um, that I thought were kind of fun. I like the sets, like the kind of places. I like some of the music. Michael Caine plays an awkward, old, creepy dude pretty well. Um, other than that, it's pretty bad. I felt really awful and awkward watching most of it. And the ending was really bad too. I just struggled with all of those different things that happened and the way that they ended it. I think my enjoyable rating for this one is going to be a four. I think that's fair. Um, I'm not going to go over all the reasons why this is bad. I feel like we've covered those and you just yeah. mentioned a whole bunch of them. I have this as a three. Okay. Regardless of whether this movie should have made or any of the moral implications of what's happening, it got reactions out of me like the whole way through. Mm -hmm. Sometimes those are reactions for me like cringing and turning away from the screen or just being like, oh, no, no. But like <laughs> sort of the train wreck element of it caused me to be invested. So I really have to like value that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty low ratings, though. They uh, are uh, yeah. on the board there. A three My, and a four might be our two lowest combined uh, enjoyability scores of any movie. Yeah. And low scores. This is right down there with Body of Evidence is uh, maybe our one of our worst ever. And, and I guess it turns out that it's difficult for us to watch movies that have like kind of problematic sexual content. And yet I feel like we all we laughed at several things in this. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, we're horrible humans, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> not as horrible as Michael Caine. No, absolutely not. So thanks, Mike, uh, for this recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we gave Mike exactly what he wanted. I hope, I hope he so too. Yeah. I hope he uh, enjoyed the way that we were awkward and uh, laughed at things that we probably shouldn't have. I mean, he's on the money. This is a real bad movie. It definitely belongs here. Absolutely, Mike. We appreciate you. Thanks for the support. Thanks for the suggestion. Uh, you know, it, it, yeah, you nailed it, buddy. It belongs here. 
Speaking of things that I appreciate, how about this beer we drank today? Yeah, this uh, Beachbound Lager by Beaches Brewing Company was uh, extremely crushable. It fit perfectly. Just that story now probably of uh, vacations with family and friends uh, <laughs> resonates pretty strongly. With well, the you never know what can happen on vacation. Blame it on Rio. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I Crushable is the word. Just blew through two of these, no problem. And I'm feeling good. And, you know, I'll drink some more later, I think. I have to. I hate to do it because uh, this beer was actually acquired for us by uh, a friend of mine. He's more like a friend of me. So, uh, Edgar, thanks for grabbing us this beer. I appreciate it. I hate to say it because you're a fucking douchebag, but uh, <laughs> no, you know, he's yeah. all right. He's no, all right. I appreciate you for bringing this beer. Um, I, I'm curious to why you guys are frenemies. Maybe we can get into that another day, but uh, it's just, it's mostly based around video games, actually. I don't know. It's one of those things, man. Oh, okay. We just, uh, we get each other's goat a little bit. You always get into it when you're playing games. Have you ever, bit. have you ever punched them and given me a black eye during a game? I have not. Okay. Well, you're better than me. I was going to say, yeah. not in not in most ways, but in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Well, this was something. Let's talk about next week. Next week is going to be our Halloween episode. Ooh. And oh my goodness, am I excited for this one. So last Halloween, we watched Friday the 13th, part eight, Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> you mean Jason hangs out on a boat? Yeah, he's barely in Manhattan. Yeah, that was That's yeah. what we learned by watching that movie. <laughs> Now, we're not going to do this every Halloween, but this year, we are going to be watching Friday the 13th, part three, a.k.a. Friday the 13th, 3D. Does uh, Jason hang out on a train? No, it's a pretty straightforward Friday the 13th. You're going to see, but the 3D element really adds something to this. And so I've, I think I've already told you this, but we're going to do, when, we, when you and I watch it together, we're going to play a little drinking game. And every time there's a gratuitous like 3D, something moving right towards the camera just to show off the 3D effect, we're going to have a drink for that. And I'm predicting we're going to be shit-faced by the time we record that episode <laughs> because it happens a lot. It's a fun one. Uh, it's going to be a fun Halloween movie, our second horror movie in the last few weeks. But why not? Horror movies always enjoyable. Sweet. It's October. I think we should be crushing some more horror movies. Uh, did you uh, pocket a couple pairs of those 3D glasses for us to wear when we watch this? I did. No, we're watching this in the straight up 2D version. So it's going to be really egregious when something <laughs> slowly reaches towards. And that's the way it should be. Those are fucking hilarious. Oh my that's God. a crutch that too many movies use. And I look forward to drinking every time it happens. Beautiful. So that'll be next week. Before then, if you haven't already, please follow us on social media at the BMB podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, smash those like buttons. Feel free to leave us a review. And if you have any suggestions, please send those to uh, either our DMs on our social media or at the BNB podcast at gmail.com. That's what Mike did. It took a little while, but we've got his episode. Hope you enjoyed it. And we hope everyone enjoyed it. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Cooper. I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it sandy. Oh, yeah. She's the hottest thing on the beach. She's also his best friend's daughter.